The Bible, the book that has changed the world by changing lives around the world. Men and women, young and old, the Bible has changed my life. The love, stability, and hope that I need, they're all found in the Bible. The Bible gives me hope that a new day is coming. The Bible is helping me see what really matters. The Bible Live is a -a one-of-a-kind, first-time-in-history radio program. Offering you the chance to hear a 15 to 20 minute Bible reading each weeknight. The entire Bible, every year. Hear the scriptures, then call in with your comments and questions. This is the best show in the world. Well, actually, I was speaking against everything you were talking about before, and uh, now I, I stand humbly corrected. I'm a pastor, and our people really need to know the word more. The Bible also transformed the life of your Bible Live host full-blooded Apache Indian, born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth. Soapy Dollar was found in a big city alley by a kind-hearted fortune teller, then passed around to 16 families before he was six years old. Placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Soapy Dollar heard the Bible's life-changing message at the age of eight, and the course of his life was changed. He's an American Indian guitar playing all around rodeo cowboy. I keep my thumb between the pages and my heart in the book. With more degrees than a thermometer and over 40 years of introducing folks just like you to the God of the Bible. Here is Soapy Dollar. And here we are. Hope you have had a great day and are ready now as we settle down again for another chance to hear the Bible. We're going to pick up tonight at Isaiah chapter 59. We have had a long series of very fascinating, very powerful chapters and messages that the prophet Isaiah delivered during his 60 years. 60 years of ministry from 740 B.C. to 681 before he was killed by Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, a great godly king who tried to do the right thing, who tried to lead the people back to God. We've read his story in the times of the kings. But lo and behold, right after this good God-seeking king comes this one named Manasseh, who turns out to be just terrible news for the people of Judah. He is the one who, tradition tells us, killed Isaiah. So we're going to pick up in Isaiah chapter 59 with Isaiah continuing to deliver these messages, generally speaking of encouragement, uplifting, inspiring stories about God's salvation and his promise to be faithful to his people and to give us victory. Now tonight he will be talking about judging his enemies, about his pledge to destroy sin and those who resist God. Before we go to Isaiah, though, let's go to Psalm 109, which is an imprecatory psalm. I'll explain it later. Psalm 109, 1 through 20. O God, whom I praise, don't stand silent and aloof while the wicked slander me and tell lies about me. They are all around me with their hateful words, and they fight against me for no reason. I love them, but they try to destroy me, even as I am praying for them. They return evil for good and hatred for my love. Arrange for an evil person to turn on him. Send an accuser to bring him to trial. When his case is called for judgment, let him be pronounced guilty. Count his prayers as sins. Let his years be few. Let his position be given to someone else. 
May his children become fatherless, and may his wife become a widow. May his children wander as beggars. May they be evicted from their ruined homes. May creditors seize his entire estate, and strangers take all he has earned. Let no one be kind to him. Let no one pity his fatherless children. May all his offspring die. May his family name be blotted out in a single generation. May the Lord never forget the sins of his ancestors. May his mother's sins never be erased from the record. May these sins always remain before the Lord. But may his name be cut off from human memory. For he refused all kindness to others. He persecuted the poor and needy, and he hounded the brokenhearted to death. He loved to curse others. Now you curse him. He never blessed others. Now don't you bless him. Cursing is as much a part of him as his clothing, or as the water he drinks, or the rich food he eats. Now may his curses return and cling to him like clothing. May they be tied around him like a belt. May those curses become the Lord's punishment for my accusers, who are plotting against my life. End of reading Psalm 109, 1-20. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Imprecatory Psalm. It's a plea or a prayer, a call for God to judge wickedness, to judge evil, and to judge evil people. But be careful here. Notice that David is not taking vengeance into his own hands. He had opportunity to do that. He was the king, after all. But he's not taking vengeance in his own hands. He's asking for God to be glorified and honored by his holiness and by his righteousness and that he would be swift in his promised judgment of evil and evil people. His words depict, of course, the eventual doom of all God's enemies. You cannot remove the theme of judgment from the Scriptures. You cannot remove the theme of accountability and responsibility from God's Word. Those who reject God, those who reject forgiveness and cleansing, will not receive it. There are consequences, and that's what we want. We want old Hitler to be judged, but we don't want the same attitude, rebellion, arrogance, and pride to be judged in ourselves. That's what an imprecatory psalm is, one that calls upon God to judge the wicked. We're going to see another expression of that in our reading from Isaiah tonight in chapter 59. There are these warnings about God's righteous judgment. The objective is to have people turn away from sin and selfishness, turn to God in repentance and humility. Isaiah 59.1 through 63.19. Isaiah 59. Listen, the Lord is not too weak to save you, and he is not becoming deaf. He can hear you when you call. But there is a problem. Your sins have cut you off from God. Because of your sin, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Your hands are the hands of murderers, and your fingers are filthy with sin. Your mouth is full of lies, and your lips are tainted with corruption. No one cares about being fair and honest. Their lawsuits are based on lies. They spend their time plotting evil deeds and then doing them. They spend their time and energy spinning evil plans that end up in deadly actions. They cheat and shortchange everyone. Nothing they do is productive. All their activity is filled with sin. Violence is their trademark. 
Their feet run to do evil, and they rush to commit murder. They think only about sinning. Wherever they go, misery and destruction follow them. They do not know what true peace is or what it means to be just and good. They continually do wrong, and those who follow them cannot experience a moment's peace. It is because of all this evil that deliverance is far from us. That is why God doesn't punish those who injure us. No wonder we are in darkness when we expected light. No wonder we are walking in the gloom. No wonder we grope like blind people and stumble along. Even at brightest noontime, we fall down as though it were dark. No wonder we are like corpses when compared to vigorous young men. We growl like hungry bears. We moan like mournful doves. We look for justice, but it is nowhere to be found. We look to be rescued, but it is far away from us. For our sins are piled up before God and testify against us. Yes, we know what sinners we are. We know that we have rebelled against the Lord. We have turned our backs on God. We know how unfair and oppressive we have been, carefully planning our deceitful lies. Our courts oppose people who are righteous, and justice is nowhere to be found. Truth falls dead in the streets, and fairness has been outlawed. Yes, truth is gone, and anyone who tries to live a godly life is soon attacked. The Lord looked and was displeased to find that there was no justice. He was amazed to find that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So he himself stepped in to save them with his mighty power and justice. He put on righteousness as his body armor and placed the helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself with the robes of vengeance and godly fury. He will repay his enemies for their evil deeds. His fury will fall on his foes in distant lands. Then at last they will respect and glorify the name of the Lord throughout the world. For he will come like a flood tide driven by the breath of the Lord. The Redeemer will come to Jerusalem, says the Lord, to buy back those in Israel who have turned from their sins. And this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit will not leave them, and neither will these words I have given you. They will be on your lips and on the lips of your children and your children's children forever. I, the Lord, have spoken. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Isaiah 60. Arise, Jerusalem! Let your light shine for all the nations to see. For the glory of the Lord is shining upon you. Darkness as black as night will cover all the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord will shine over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Look and see, for everyone is coming home. Your sons are coming from distant lands. Your little daughters will be carried home. Your eyes will shine and your hearts will thrill with joy, for merchants from around the world will come to you. They will bring you the wealth of many lands. Vast caravans of camels will converge on you, the camels of Midian and Ephah. From Sheba they will bring gold and incense for the worship of the Lord. The flocks of Kedar will be given to you, and the rams of Nebaioth will be brought for my altars. In that day I will make my temple glorious. And what do I see flying like clouds to Israel? They are the ships of Tarshish, reserved to bring the people of Israel home. They will bring their wealth with them, and it will bring great honor to the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for He will fill you with splendor. Foreigners will come to rebuild your cities. 
Kings and rulers will send you aid. For though I have destroyed you in my anger, I will have mercy on you through my grace. Your gates will stay open around the clock to receive the wealth of many lands. The kings of the world will be led as captives in a victory procession. For the nations that refuse to be your allies will be destroyed. The glory of Lebanon will be yours, the forests of Cyprus, fir and pine, to beautify my sanctuary. My temple will be glorious. The children of your tormentors will come and bow before you. Those who despise you will kiss your feet. They will call you the city of the Lord and Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Though you were once despised and hated and rebuffed by all, you will be beautiful forever. You will be a joy to all generations, for I will make you so. Powerful kings and mighty nations will bring the best of their goods to satisfy your every need. You will know at last that I, the Lord, am your Savior and Redeemer, the Mighty One of Israel. I will exchange your bronze for gold, your iron for silver, your wood for bronze, and your stones for iron. Peace and righteousness will be your leaders. Violence will disappear from your land. The desolation and destruction of war will end. Salvation will surround you like city walls, and praise will be on the lips of all who enter there. No longer will you need the sun or moon to give you light, for the Lord your God will be your everlasting light, and He will be your glory. The sun will never set, the moon will not go down, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. Your days of mourning will come to an end. All your people will be righteous. They will possess the land forever, for I will plant them there with my own hands in order to bring myself glory. The smallest family will multiply into a large clan. The tiniest group will become a mighty nation. I, the Lord, will bring it all to pass at the right time. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to announce that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, He will give beauty for ashes, joy instead of mourning, praise instead of despair. For the Lord has planted them like strong and graceful oaks for His own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities long ago destroyed. They will revive them, though they have been empty for many generations. Foreigners will be your servants. They will feed your flocks and plow your fields and tend your vineyards. You will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. You will be fed with the treasures of the nations and will boast in their riches. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will inherit a double portion of prosperity and everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully reward my people for their suffering and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known and honored among the nations. Everyone will realize that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for He has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom in his wedding suit, or a bride with her jewels. The Sovereign Lord will show His justice to the nations of the world. Everyone will praise Him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring, 
filled with young plants springing up everywhere. Isaiah 62. Because I love Zion, because my heart yearns for Jerusalem, I cannot remain silent. I will not stop praying for her until her righteousness shines like the dawn and her salvation blazes like a burning torch. The nations will see your righteousness. Kings will be blinded by your glory and the Lord will give you a new name. The Lord will hold you in his hands for all to see, a splendid crown in the hands of God. Never again will you be called the God-forsaken city or the desolate land. Your new name will be the city of God's delight and the bride of God. For the Lord delights in you and will claim you as his own. Your children will care for you with joy, O Jerusalem, just as a young man cares for his bride. Then God will rejoice over you as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. O Jerusalem, I have posted watchmen on your walls. They will pray to the Lord day and night for the fulfillment of his promises. Take no rest, all you who pray. Give the Lord no rest until he makes Jerusalem the object of praise throughout the earth. The Lord has sworn to Jerusalem by his own strength. I will never again hand you over to your enemies. Never again will foreign warriors come and take away your grain and wine. You raised it and you will keep it, praising the Lord. Within the courtyards of the temple, you yourselves will drink the wine that you have pressed. Go out, prepare the highway for my people to return. Smooth out the road, pull out the boulders, raise a flag for all the nations to see. The Lord has sent this message to every land. Tell the people of Israel, look, your Savior is coming. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. They will be called the holy people and the people redeemed by the Lord. And Jerusalem will be known as the desirable place and the city no longer forsaken. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Isaiah 63. Who is this who comes from Edom, from the city of Basra, with his clothing stained red? Who is this in royal robes, marching in the greatness of his strength? It is I, the Lord, announcing your salvation. It is I, the Lord, who is mighty to save. Why are your clothes so red, as if you had been treading out grapes? I have trodden the winepress alone. No one was there to help me. In my anger I have trampled my enemies as if they were grapes. In my fury I have trampled my foes. It is their blood that has stained my clothes. For the time has come for me to avenge my people, to ransom them from their oppressors. I looked, but no one came to help my people. I was amazed and appalled at what I saw. So I executed vengeance alone. Unaided, I passed down judgment. I crushed the nations in my anger and made them stagger and fall to the ground. I will tell of the Lord's unfailing love. I will praise the Lord for all he has done. I will rejoice in his great goodness to Israel, which he has granted according to his mercy and love. He said, They are my very own people. Surely they will not be false again. And he became their Savior. In all their suffering he also suffered. And he personally rescued them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them through all the years. But they rebelled against him and grieved his Holy Spirit. That is why he became their enemy and fought against them. Then they remembered those days of old when Moses led his people out of Egypt. They cried out, Where is the one who brought Israel through the sea with Moses as their shepherd? 
Where is the one who sent his Holy Spirit to be among his people? Where is the one whose power divided the sea before them when Moses lifted up his hand, establishing his reputation forever? Where is the one who led them through the bottom of the sea? They were like fine stallions racing through the desert, never stumbling. As with cattle going down into a peaceful valley, the Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. You led your people, Lord, and gained a magnificent reputation. Lord, look down from heaven and see us from your holy, glorious home. Where is the passion and the might you used to show on our behalf? Where are your mercy and compassion now? Surely you are still our Father. Even if Abraham and Jacob would disown us, Lord, you would still be our Father. You are our Redeemer from ages past. Lord, why have you allowed us to turn from your path? Why have you given us stubborn hearts so we no longer fear you? Return and help us, for we are your servants and your special possession. How briefly your holy people possessed the holy place, and now our enemies have destroyed it. Lord, why do you treat us as though we never belong to you? Why do you act as though we had never been known as your people? End of reading, Isaiah 59, 1 through 63, 19. Listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. You hear a lot of talk among those in our society today who claim to be atheists. Very few people are actually truly atheists. It takes a level of pride and arrogance to be an actual atheist. Very few people would have that kind of nerve. A person has to claim a tremendous degree of knowledge in order to say that. Next time you talk to an atheist, ask them of the knowledge that exists in the universe. How much of that knowledge do you possess, would you say? 10%? And he'll say, oh, no, no, maybe 5%, something very humble. In that case, if you only possess maybe 5% of all the knowledge that exists, is it conceivable that God exists outside of your knowledge? And, of course, at that point they would have to say, Well, yeah, I guess it's conceivable, it's possible. You're not an atheist, you're an agnostic. You don't know if God exists or not. It's really rather easy to convince an individual away from the position of strict atheism. But the point is, is that those who reject and resist God will be judged, not by us, but by God himself. It is declared clearly in Scripture that there will be an ultimate consequence. There will be a result given for the decision that is made to reject God and his salvation. We are seeing tonight in passage from Isaiah a description of a society given over to wickedness. The lie is the norm. When I think of these, I'm looking at our own society today in America. We see stealing spoken of, crime and outright theft, but also official stealing where you have a government that steals the hard-earned money of individuals and, and private property of individuals. That's why socialism is immoral at its core. 
And that's why it's so terrible to see America giving over to socialism beginning to reign. Socialism is immoral at its core because it denies what the scriptures give to individuals, and that is the right to private property. And it's the government now stealing from people by force with threat of jail and prison, taking away the earnings of individuals to give it to others to purchase the votes and the influence on other people. And it's stealing. It's not charity and it's not compassion. It's stealing. Uh, I remember Margaret Thatcher used to say the problem with socialism is that you soon run out of other people's money to give away. It is destructive as well in that it destroys a society and harms those who are productive and motivated. There's official corruption spoken of in that chapter, 59. Dishonesty reigns. Of course, a lot of that is brought about, again, by the government. With all of these rules and regulations and so on, it becomes almost impossible to do a legal function without somehow or other cheating. Corruption is kind of built into the tax system. So you see a society given over to wickedness, but then it changes tune in chapter 60. Instead of talking about darkness in the world and life, a society without God, it talks about the light and glory of a society and of life in God's kingdom. Chapter 61 begins with a passage that Jesus quotes in Luke chapter 4 in his hometown of Nazareth. Notice that the gospel is given and God's help and God's salvation is offered to people who suffer, to the brokenhearted, to poor. God resists the arrogant, but he lifts up the humble. I've always been fascinated by Jesus' use and quoting of the scriptures, but when he read chapter 61, he went back to his hometown in Nazareth, read about it in Luke chapter 4, and he brings out this passage, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has appointed me, anointed me, to bring good news to the poor, to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of God's favor has come. And there he stopped. It's interesting that Jesus stopped at that point because he came to seek and save the lost that first time. But after that, he says, also the day of God's anger against their enemies. When Jesus comes again, we'll see that ultimate judgment of wickedness and sin and evil. Now the time to repent and turn to the Lord. With Sophie Dollar, Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Kendall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now, don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.